Section 21 of Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Schweidler, The Amber Witch by Wilhelm Meinhold. Translated by Lucy Duff Gordon. The Twenty Sixth Chapter how I received the holy sacrament with my daughter and the old maidservant, and how she was then led for the last time before the court, with the drawn sword and the outcry, to receive sentence. Now anyone would think that during that heavy Tuesday night I should not have been able to close mine eyes. But no, dear reader, that the Lord can do more than we can ask or understand, and that His mercy is new every morning for toward daybreak I fell asleep as quietly as though I had had no care upon my heart, and when I awoke I was able to pray more heartily than I had done for a long time. So that, in the midst of my tribulation, I wept for joy at such great mercy from the Lord. But I prayed for naught save that He would endow my child with strength and courage to suffer the martyrdom He had laid upon her with Christian patience and to send his angel to me, woeful man, so to pierce my heart with grief when I should see my child burn, that it might straightway cease to beat, and I might presently follow her. And thus I still prayed when the maid came in all dressed in black, and with the silken raiment of my sweet lamb hanging over her arm. And she told me, with many tears, that the dead bell had already tolled from the castle tower for the first time and that my child had sent for her to dress her, seeing that the court was already come from Musidom, and that in about two hours she was to set out on her last journey. Moreover, she had sent her word that she was to take her some blue and yellow flowers for a garland, wherefore she asked me what flowers she should take, and seeing that a jar filled with fire-lilies and forget-me-nots stood in my window, which she had placed there yesterday, I said, thou canst gather no better flowers for her than these. Wherefore do thou carry them to her, and tell her that I will follow thee in about half an hour, in order to receive the sacrament with her. Hereupon the faithful old creature prayed me to suffer her to go to the sacrament with us, the which I promised her. And scarce had I dressed myself and put on my surplice, when Pastor Benzenzis came in at the door and fell upon my neck, weeping, and as mute as a fish. As soon as he came to his speech again, he told me of the great miraculum, demonis, I mean, which had befallen at the burial of old Lizzie. For that, just as the bearers were about to lower the coffin into the grave, a noise was heard therein, as though of a carpenter boring through a deal-board. Wherefore they thought the old hag must be come to life again, and open the coffin. But there she lay as before all black and blue in the face, and as cold as ice. But her eyes had started wide open, so that all were horror-stricken, and expected some devilish apparition. And, indeed, a live rat presently jumped out of the coffin and ran into a skull which lay beside the grave. Thereupon they all ran away, seeing that old Lizzie had ever been in evil repute as a witch. Howbeit at last he himself went near the grave again, whereupon the rat disappeared, and all the others took courage and followed him. This the man told me, 
and anyone may guess that this was in fact Satan, who had flown down the hag her throat as an insect, whereas his proper shape was that of a rat. Albeit, I wonder what he could so long have been about in the carrion. Unless, indeed, it were that the evil spirits are as fond of all that is loathsome as the angels of God are of all that is fair and lovely. Be that as it may. Summa, I was not a little shocked at what he told me, and asked him what he now thought of the sheriff, whereupon he shrugged his shoulders and said that he had indeed been a wicked fellow as long as he could remember him, and that it was a full ten years since he had given him any first fruits. But that he did not believe that he was a warlock, as old Lizzie had said. For although he had indeed never been to the table of the Lord in his church, he had heard that he often went at Stettin, with his princely highness the duke, and that the pastor at the castle church had shown him the entry in his communion-book. Wherefore he likewise could not believe that he had brought this misery upon my daughter, if she were innocent, as the hag had said. Besides, that my daughter had freely confessed herself a witch. Whereupon I answered, that she had done that for fear of the torture, but that she was not afraid of death. Whereupon I told him, with many sighs, how the sheriff had yesterday tempted me, miserable and unfaithful servant, to evil, insomuch that I had been willing to sell my only child to him and to Satan, and was not worthy to receive the sacrament to-day. Likewise, how much more steadfast a faith my daughter had than I, as he might see from her letter, which I still carried in my pocket. Herewith I gave it into his hand, and when he had read it, he sighed as though he had been himself a father, and said, Were this true, I would sink into the earth for sorrow. But come, brother, come, that I may prove her faith myself. Hereupon we went up to the castle, and on our way we found the greensward before the hunting-lodge, Etem, the whole space in front of the castle, already crowded with people, who nevertheless were quite quiet as we went by. We gave our names again to the huntsman. I have never been able to remember his name, seeing that he was a Polak. He was not, however, the same fellow who wooed my child, and whom the sheriff had therefore turned off. The man presently ushered us into a fine large room, whither my child had been led when taken out of her prison. The maid had already dressed her, and she looked lovely as an angel. She wore the chain of gold with the effigy round her neck again, Etem the garland in her chair, and she smiled as we entered, saying, I am ready. Whereat the Reverend Martinus was sorely angered and shocked, saying, Ah, thou ungodly woman, let no one tell me further of thine innocence. Thou art about to go to the holy sacrament, and from thence to death, and thou flauntest as a child of this world about to go to the dancing-room. Whereupon she answered and said, Be not wroth with me, dear godfather, because that I would go into the presence of my good king of heaven in the same garments wherein I appeared some time since before the good king of Sweden. For it strengthens my weak and trembling flesh, seeing, I hope, that my righteous Saviour will in like manner take me to his heart, and will also hand his effigy upon my neck when I stretch out my hands to him in all humility, and recite my carmen, saying, O Lamb of God, innocently slain upon the cross, give my thy peace, O Jesu. These words softened my dear gossip, and he spoke, saying, Ah, child, child, 
I thought to have reproached thee, but thou hast constrained me to weep with thee. Art thou then indeed innocent?" "'Verily,' said she, "'to you, my honoured godfather, I may now own that I am innocent, as truly as I trust that God will aid me in my last hour through Jesus Christ. Amen.'" When the maid heard this, she made such outcries that I repented that I had suffered her to be present, and we all had enough to do to comfort her from the word of God till she became somewhat more tranquil. And when this was done, my dear gossip thus spake to my child, If, indeed, thou dost so steadfastly maintain thine innocence, it is my duty, according to my conscience as a priest, to inform the worshipful court thereof. And he was about to leave the room. But she withheld him, and fell upon the ground and clasped his knee, saying, I beseech you, by the wounds of Jesus, to be silent. They would stretch me on the rack again, and uncover my nakedness, and I, wretched weak woman, would in such torture confess all that they would have me, especially if my father again be there, whereby both my soul and my body are tortured at once. Wherefore stay, I pray you, stay. Is it then a misfortune to die innocent, and is it not better to die innocent than guilty? My good gossip at last gave way, and after standing a while and praying to himself, he wiped away his tears, and then spake the exhortation to confession in the words of Isaiah 43, 1-2. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Saviour." And when he had ended this comfortable address, and asked her whether she would willingly bear until her last hour that cross which the most merciful God according to his unsearchable will had laid upon her, she spake such beautiful words that my gossip afterwards said he should not forget them so long as he should live, seeing that he had never witnessed a bearing at once so full of faith and joy, and withal so deeply sorrowful. She spake after this manner, O holy cross, which may Jesus hath sanctified by his innocent suffering! O dear cross, which is laid upon me by the hand of a merciful Father! O blessed cross! whereby I am made like unto my Lord Jesus, and am called unto eternal glory and blessedness. How shall I not willingly bear thee, thou sweet cross of my bridegroom, of my brother?" The Reverend Johannes had scarce given us absolution, and after this, with many tears, the holy sacrament, when we heard a loud trampling upon the floor, and presently the impudent constable looked into the room and asked whether we were ready, seeing that the worshipful court was now waiting for us. And when he had been told that we were ready, my child would have first taken leave of me, but I forbade her, saying, Not so. Thou knowest that which thou hast promised me. And whither thou goest I will go, and where thou lodgest I will lodge. Where thou diest will I die if that the Lord, as I hope, will hear the ardent sighs of my poor soul." Hereupon she let me go, 
and embraced only the old maidservant, thanking her for all the kindness she had shown her from her youth up, and begging her not to go with her to make her death yet more bitter by her cries. The faithful old creature was unable for a long time to say a word for tears. Howbeit at last she begged forgiveness of my child for that she unwittingly accused her, and said that, out of her wages, she had bought five pounds weight of flax to hasten her death, that the shepherd of Pugla had that very morning taken it with him to Cusero, and that she should wind it closely round her body, for that she had seen how old wife Schirna, who was burnt in Lipa, had suffered great torments before she came to her death by reason of the damp wood. But ere my child could thank her for this, the dreadful outcry of blood began in the judgment-chamber for a voice cried as loudly as might be, "'Woe upon the accursed witch, Mary Schweidler, because that she hath fallen off from the living God!' Then all the folk without cried, "'Woe upon the accursed witch!' When I heard this I fell back against the wall, but my sweet child stroked my cheeks with her darling hands, and said, "'Father, father, do but remember, that the people likewise cried out against the innocent Jesus, Crucify him, crucify him! Shall not we then drink of the cup which our Heavenly Father hath prepared for us? Hereupon the door opened, and the constable walked in, amid a great tumult among the people, holding a drawn sword in his hand, which he bowed thrice before my child and cried, Woe upon the accursed witch, Mary Schweidler, because that she hath fallen off from the living God! And all the folks in the hall and without the castle cried as loud as they could, Woe upon the accursed witch! Hereupon he said, Mary Schweidler, come before the high and worshipful court to hear sentence of death passed upon thee. Whereupon she followed him with us two miserable men, for Pastor Benzenzis was no less cast down than myself. As for the old maidservant, she lay on the ground for dead. After we had with great pains pushed our way through all the people, the constable stood still before the open judgment-chamber, and once more bowed his sword before my child and cried for the third time, "'Woe upon the accursed witch, Mary Schweidler, because that she hath fallen off from the living God!' and all the people, as well as the cruel judges themselves, cried as loud as they could, Woe upon the accursed witch! When we had entered the room, Dom Consul first asked my worthy gossip whether the witch had abode by her free avowal in confession, whereupon, after considering a short time, he answered that he had best ask herself, for there she stood. According, taking up a paper which lay before him on the table, he spake as follows. Mary Schweidler, now that thou hast confessed, and received the holy and most honourable sacrament of the Lord's Supper, answer me once again these following questions. 1. Is it true that thou hast fallen off from the living God and given thyself up to Satan? 2. Is it true that thou hast a spirit called Dizidaimonia, who rebaptized thee and carnally knew thee? Three, is it true that thou hast done all manner of mischief to the cattle? Four, is it true that Satan appeared to thee on the Streckelberg in the likeness of a hairy giant? When she had with many sighs said yes to all these questions, he rose, 
took a wand in one hand and a second paper in the other, put his spectacles on his nose, and said, "'Now then, hear my sentence.' This sentence I since copied. He would not let me see the other acta, but pretended that they were at Wolgast. The sentence, however, was word for word as follows. We, the sheriff and the justices appointed to serve the high and worshipful criminal court. Inasmuch as Mary Schweidler, the daughter of Abraham Schweidlerus, the pastor of Kosro, hath, after the appointed inquisition, repeatedly made free confession that she hath a devil named Desidemonia, the which did rebaptize her in the sea, and did also know her carnally. Item, that she by his help did mischief to the cattle that he also appeared to her on the Streckelberg in the likeness of a hairy giant. We do therefore, by these presents, make known and direct that Rhea be first duly torn four times on each breast with red-hot iron pincers, and after that be burned to death by fire, as a rightful punishment to herself and a warning to others. Nevertheless, we, in pity for her youth, are pleased of our mercy to spare her the tearing with red-hot pincers, so that she shall only suffer death by the simple punishment of fire. Wherefore she is hereby condemned and judged accordingly on the part of the criminal court. Publicatum at the castle of Pugla, the thirtieth day Mensis Augusti, Anno Salutis, 1630. As he spake the last word, he brake his wand in two and threw the pieces before the feet of my innocent lamb, saying to the constable, Now, do your duty. But so many folks, both men and women, threw themselves on the ground to seize the pieces of the wand, seeing they are said to be good for the gout in the joints, etem for cattle when troubled with lice, that the constable fell to the earth over a woman who was on her knees before him, and his approaching death was thus foreshadowed to him by the righteous God. Something of the same sort likewise befell the sheriff now for the second time. For when the worshipful court rose, throwing down tables, stools, and benches, a table, under which two boys were fighting for the pieces of the wand, fell upon his foot, whereupon he flew into a violent rage, and threatened the people with his fist, saying that they should have fifty right good lashes apiece, both men and women, if they were not quiet forthwith, and did not depart peaceably out of the room. This frighted them, and after the people were gone out into the street, the constable took a rope out of his pocket, wherewith he bound my lamb her hands so tightly behind her back that she cried aloud. But when she saw how this wrung my heart, she straightway constrained herself, and said, O oh, father, remember that it fared no better with the blessed Saviour. Howbeit when my dear gossip, who stood behind her, saw that her little hands, and more especially her nails, had turned black and blue, he spoke for her to the worshipful court, whereupon the abominable sheriff only said, Oh, let her be! Let her feel what it is to fall off from the living God! But Dom Consul was more merciful, inasmuch as, after feeling the cords, he bade the constable bind her hands less cruelly, and slacken the rope a little, which, accordingly, he was forced to do. But my dear gossip was not content herewith, and begged that she might sit in the cart without being bound, so that she should be able to hold her hymn-book, for he had summoned the school to sing a hymn by the way for her comfort, 
and he was ready to answer for it with his own head that she should not escape out of the cart. Moreover, it is the custom for fellows with pitchforks always to go with the carts wherein condemned criminals, and more especially witches, are carried to execution. But this the cruel sheriff would not suffer, and the rope was left upon her hands, and the impudent constable seized her by the arm and led her from the judgment-chamber. But in the hall we saw a great scandalum, which again pierced my very heart. For the housekeeper and the impudent constable his wife were fighting for my child her bed and her linen and wearing apparel, which the housekeeper had taken for herself, and which the other woman wanted to have. The latter now called to her husband to help her, whereupon he straightway let go my daughter and struck the housekeeper on her mouth with his fist, so that the blood ran out therefrom, and she shrieked and wailed fearfully to the sheriff, who followed us with the court. He threatened them both in vain, and said that when he came back he would inquire into the matter and give to each her due share but they would not hearken to this until my daughter asked Dom Consul whether every dying person, even a condemned criminal, had power to leave his goods and chattels to whomsoever he would, and when he answered, Yes, all but the clothes which belong of right to the executioner, she said, Well, then, the constable may take my clothes, but none shall have my bed save my faithful old maidservant Ilsa. Hereupon the housekeeper began to curse and revile my child loudly, who heeded her not, but stepped out at the door toward the cart, where there stood so many people that naught could be seen save head against head. The folks crowded about us so tumultuously that the sheriff, who meanwhile had mounted his grey horse, constantly smote them right and left across their eyes with his riding-whip, but they nevertheless would scarce fall back albeit at length he cleared the way, and when about ten fellows with long pitchforks, who for the most part also had rapiers at their sides, had placed themselves round about our cart, the constable lifted my daughter up into it, and bound her fast to the rail. Old Pash, who stood by, lifted me up, and my dear gossip was likewise forced to be lifted in, so weak had he become from all the distress. He motioned his sexton, Master Krekow, to walk before the cart with the school, and bade him from time to time lead a verse of the goodly hymn, On God Alone I Rest My Fate, which he promised to do. And here I will also note that I myself sat down upon the straw with my daughter, and that our dear confessor, the Reverend Martinus, sat backwards. The constable was perched up behind with his drawn sword. When all this was done, Item, the court mounted up into another carriage, the sheriff gave the order to set out. End of section 21